Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is G.I. Joe Burgers, episode 286. My name is Steve, and today we have a backlog of cartoons, comic books, and lasers to talk about. <laughs> but you don't know what... You don't have to listen to me monologuing all about it. You can have the company of two other South African G.I. Joe fans, the first of which is Paul Upshur. I'm supposed to be popping up. Uh, hold on. There we go. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'll be the other voice today. Since we had a rocky start, both of us, man, I stumbled on my intro and you, I don't know what happened. Did the cat jump? Wait, mm, touchy subject. No cat, right? Uh, yeah, but actually, it's funny that you mentioned that I've got a cat that's visiting us at the moment. Ooh. It's just randomly rocking up in our house and, and chilling here. He's very cool. His name is Phantom, or we call him Phantom. Um, so, yeah. But uh, Your name I think is Paul. My name is Steve. But the coolest Who's cat the other guy? of Who's the G.I. Joburg cabal would be none other than the loving scoopful. It's Robert. Hey, Robbie. It's me. Oh, I'm oh, back oh, at oh, it oh. again. Here I am. He's <laughs> had some polish to these amateurs that have started this podcast. Oh off. my goodness! Two eighty six. We're talking lasers. Here he Hell is. Hell yeah! We're do, talking do, cartoons. Do, do. Robbing like a Robocane. Number three. We're talking comics. Uh, Red Rocket's glare. Hell yeah! Oh, shut your mouth. Oh, what about Red Rocket's glare? Part <laughs> about red rockets glare. My goodness. I, I feel I feel like we've done it already because I know we it's been somewhat podcast. delayed. Such a but yeah. <laughs> on the menu for today's podcast, we have issue 297 of the IDW GI Joe comic book run. We have issue three of the Marvel comic book run, the Trojan Gambit. We have episode two of G.I. Joe Renegades, entitled The Descent Part 2. And we have, from the classic Sunbow series, Red Rocket's Glare. So, jam-packed, guys. Oh, oh dear. Are you sure about that? It's not Chin 98. We've done issue 300 with Barton Jim. We've done issue 299 with Troy. We've done 298 with Nobody. That I know, <laughs> unless unless I made a mistake, <laughs> I'm skipping ahead because I want to get through the IDW stuff faster. Though yeah. our crazy idea of reading from issue one up and issue three hundred down, <laughs> it's going to take us about six years to get to the middle. I we think this. at this rate of yeah. like two comic books a month, we can so, we we, we, we can just one speed two round. skip a few ninety nine one hundred. <laughs> No, we can just be speed, speed rounds, you know, like like a story arcs, maybe. Um, well, give them honorable yeah. mentions. Here's an awful idea, Rob. <laughs> you can you can just you can just tell us about two ninety eight since you're okay, the only I'm, one who seems to have read it. Tell us. <laughs> you can tell me about two ninety seven because you guys seem Lord. to have read it. <laughs> okay. Well, we we don't have to crack into the the media just <laughs> yet, fellas, because I feel like we've had to. Uh, sideline our new shit section for several weeks now because we've just had a jam-packed agenda. And that uh -huh. means I have a backlog of toys and anecdotes Ooh. to tell the both of you and the listeners. Um, firstly, Same. <laughs> I have something I'd like to get off my chest. I have a confession to make. Uh oh. I have transitioned to the other side, as it were. Uh, uh -oh. I'm doing a lot of buying on Facebook Marketplace, right? A lot of secondhand uh -huh. toys 
for my boy because he don't care. He doesn't like packaging anyway. Um, <laughs> and he, he's getting some cool stuff as a result. So like, and gargantuan like play sets and things that otherwise would be cost prohibitive. Oh, now they're just you got the turtles bit. one. <laughs> that well, there's several turtles places that are always in rotation. The, the giant sewer one. The 2012 one is always yes. omnipresent <laughs> because that thing takes up so much space that I think parents are eager to get rid of it. But yeah, that mm. relates to my story. I I didn't uh, just to to kind of put right. a pin in right. the anticipation. Mm. Um, I. <laughs> I feel dirty, guys. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm buying up kids' toys, sometimes without <laughs> them even knowing about it. Now, there are two types of sellers on Marketplace when it comes to parents. You've got the ones who, who desperately want you to bring cash to the meetup because it's going to go straight into the kid's hand. Sometimes even the kid is the one who meets me at the door, hands uh, over the toy. Cash or, or the toy? Well, cash for toy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I bring my wallet with some, you know, some some sheaths of paper mm. or plastic as Brit. it is in Yeah, some fast flour, yeah, lacquer. <laughs> and uh, the <laughs> child meets me at the door and, and, you know, mom prods him a little bit and he's like, here you go. <laughs> and I'm like, there you go, <laughs> young <Yeah>. man. And, <laughs> um, and, and those are my favorite kind of meetups because you know that the kid is getting money for whatever they want, a bike or a video game or, I don't know, cigarettes. Porn. <laughs> <laughs> Only fans account that he likes. <laughs> but on one occasion, I arrived during the day and it was evident that mommy was alone at home. Timmy was at school still. And... We contacted on the things that had been listed in the marketplace. And then she was like, come upstairs. There's something I want to show you. Uh-oh. So I followed her, a strange woman in a strange house, upstairs. In a strange to, land? To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A very strange children's bedroom. To her, her boy's bedroom. And she was like, yeah, just whatever you want um we can strike up a, a deal and i was like ah, i don't know if i feel comfortable about this like this kid clearly has no idea that while he's at school his mom is basically selling out his toy collection from his bedroom out from under him like he, and she was like no he's not gonna notice you know he's got three lightning mcqueens you can take two of them he'll he'll still what have a one monster so I, I don't know. Ethically, what do you do? I mean, obviously, the parent is the guardian and the, what they say goes. But we have so many friends who tell the sad story of like, yeah, I got rid of my Joe collection for like cents on the dollar as a child because I wanted extra pocket money or, you know, the kind of tales of regret. And not mm. everyone becomes a, a toy collecting freak like us and our audience. Hello, mm. freaks. Mm. Um, but... I don't know. Should I should I feel bad about having taken a few extras from this kid's personal collection? Listen, his cocaine habit is his parents' problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his uh, toy money from your scrappy secondhand playthings is really going to get you. No, no bags. No, no, no. I'm not talking. No, no, no. It's not that at all. It's the trauma. This kid's going to go home. He's going to see that his, kid, his toys are missing. Oh, wow. And his parents are going to gaslight him, man. They're going to be like, oh, no, no, like, didn't you, you only have one? Toys. You only had one. Yeah, Yo, you broke it. They're going to gaslight the shit out of this kid. 
this kid's going to hit his teenage years. He's not going to know right from wrong, real from fake. And he's just going to, he's just, he's just going to go down a, a, a dark path of cocaine wow. and hookers, man. Thanks, Paul. Um, Paul it makes me feel not trying to make you feel any better. <laughs> <laughs> but you're probably not not half wrong. Um, weird double <laughs> negatives there. But yeah, yeah. So absolutely, man. The, the parents will play the game of like, yeah, no, you you lost that one. Remember? Hey, hmm. I mean that's that's a familiar story as well. So all of a sudden hmm. you're questioning your sanity. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> Perhaps best not to, to overthink it. Anyways, Come join shall me on we? My pseudo psychology channel. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that's that's my story How of the week, I guess. Um, Rob, not that any, I think he's going to go very well. I, I just want to say I don't think like his Buzz Lightyear collection is going to go very far, is it? I mean, there isn't a lot of toys in the in the in the Toy Story, uh, you know, uh, toy series that you can be like, oh wow, I got all the Toy Story toys. I mean, yeah, I really Antara... don't think that's going to, um, you know, that's going to light a fire in in him for the rest of his life. Um, you know, if maybe if they were GI Joes or like turtles, I'd I'd be really upset about this. But like, I don't know. It's 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 a, yeah. it's a difficult one. I mean, yes, the toys, the parents bought the toys, but the the toys should belong to the kid. It's it should yeah. be his choice in the end, or her choice, or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. new stuff, new stuff. I've not got anything new, unfortunately. I'm I'm still mm. holding the line, as it were. Um, hold that line. But uh, I've had I've I've had a pretty decent couple of weeks. Um, I was a little sick for a while. I've recovered. I'm alive and well. Um. Yeah, and and we I, I keep thinking like next week is the week that we close and we're gonna move to the new the new location. <laughs> oh shame, the anticipation Rob. is killing. And then people keep telling me like, no, no, Rob, it's it's at the end of April. It's the end of April. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, isn't oh, it April yet? And it's it's March still. <laughs> yeah, the anxiety I, I, is real, bro. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I'm I'm like super excited. Like I'm I'm, I'm very interested to see you know. Um, how things work out in a new in a new place. So although I'm not gonna, I don't have any new stuff. I will have a new place to be in. So that should be a lot of fun. Hmm. Hell yeah! Cool man. Paul, any new? I got some new. I <laughs> no, um, no new Motu, ah. but I did get something kind of cool, um, and it's kind of a surprising purchase for me. So you guys are expecting, obviously, you expect me to get the Motu. You're expecting me to get a Hot Wheels to toy here and there. But you're yeah. not expecting me to get one of these Bobby. figures from a popular space opera known as Star Wars. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I got myself a Black Series Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. Yeah. Ah, I, interesting. It was living at the Nexus uh, with a handful of other Star Wars figures, um, the Mandalorian in Beskar armor and a... Uh, an elite trooper, which is not the stormtrooper, but kind of the clone trooper, the black clone trooper, and then there was a Jawa, and there were the credits versions and whatever. Anyway, isn't that I a kept death walking trooper? Past. I think it could death be. Trooper. No, no, it's not a death trooper. Uh, um, I would love a death trooper. I would have bought. I uh, would have bought that up. Um, and I kept checking out this Bo-Katan. I kept walking past it and being like, "Wow, I actually really take that figure, and I really like the face sculpt, and I like Christy Sackoff, and." Uh, so I'm like, cool. Um, maybe I'll get it. I don't know. Katie and then Katie Sackoff. Thank you so much. <laughs> my brain. You're welcome. I love um, her so much. I don't know names. Well, I know Bo Katan, right? That's what's important. Anyway, 
cue the first episode or the first two episodes of the Mandalorian on the season three that I'd of season three. That's correct. Ah. That I'd been watching or that I just watched by the time that I bought this toy. And I was, you know, the, the feedback loop, the circle is now complete. <laughs> I've seen it on <laughs> TV. I see, I saw it in the shop. It was, it is cheap as chips for me. So I bought it. Mm. Um, and I got to say, I'm very, very pleased with this toy. Uh, it's, I love the face sculpt. I'm just going to change the image here for the guys watching the YouTube. Yeah, man. These shots are so professional. They're very cool. And you know, <laughs> well done, Paul. Well done. You, yeah, yeah. yeah I snuck the. Cool. I got the BBTS shots, man. Um, yeah, guys. I was to say, where did you get an infinity wall for your studio? So cool. Well, I've got one of those actually, incidentally. But it, yeah, Ooh. but I was just too lazy to shoot my own footage, uh, my own photos for this. Anyway, guys, this is a cool toy. I really dig it. I want to do like an off-the-cuff review, but I'm actually curious from the Bergforce and the people in the comments when you watch this on YouTube and in Podbean or whatever, would you guys like to hear my opinions on a Black Series Star Wars figure seeing as I've been doing some classified um, Joes? Uh, because there are definitely some points about the Black Series that I feel hit really, really like high standards um, that I wish translated to classified. And I'd love to just talk about that in a video. Uh, and, and I would, of course, like the Bogue Force's blessing on it just to see if it's something you would dig. Anyway. I would like to hear right now your opinion, or at least uh, your first blushings of your opinion on Mando Series 3. Oh, I'm loving it. I'm really, really digging it. Mm. Yeah. Like, I, I know that a lot of people probably got upset with that one episode where it's all about the... The, the the clone specialist no dude, spoilers actually, please okay well anyway <laughs> i got i enjoyed that that episode that was really great i've enjoyed it i think um what what i've been thinking about mando is that it gets me excited for the next episode i'm always like hungry for the next one and i enjoy the characters and i enjoy wow the cinematography in those episodes has been incredible do um, you enjoy the fact that the mandalorian enclave seemed to be like a kid's party hopped up on sugar where everyone's just yeah. wrestling in the garden <laughs> all the time until they get called in to, for for meals or whatever Interesting. Interesting or giant giant creature attacks them no it's 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 bizarre i think bokatan is actually the the shining light of that series at the moment oh yeah i am really really losing my patience with the the perennial crutch that is grogu like they keep needing oh. to find him things to do and keep needing to find reasons for him to stick around. But I'm like, oh, geez, the series yeah. would be stronger without him. Anyway, it, it is what it is, guys. They've painted themselves into a corner by having this enormously popular plushie. Yeah, <laughs> you just sell them toys. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway. I, I mean, there are worse things than Grogu on screen, and I've been enjoying that. And I've. <laughs> oh. and, and no, I mean, Grogu is great. I like Grogu, but I mean, we've had worse things take up that role, you know, in Star Wars. Um, I just, mm. I also, I'm on a bit of a Star Wars kick, actually, and I'm, I'm doing my best to kind of resist buying more Star, Star Wars figures um, because I really love this Bo-Katan. That much I will say uh, on the air right now, but at the same time, that doesn't mean I'm going to go and collect Star Wars figures now. I was just, it was just a curiosity and it was cheap enough and I was just, I'm just very happy with my purchase. I had no buyer's remorse or anything, so that was great. Um, it also got me to watch episode nine again because somebody was like, what were my thoughts on episode nine? Because I had this toy in my hand. And here's a bit of the anecdotal side of the story. 
they're like, what did you think of episode nine? And you know, my knee jerk reaction was, well, it's shit. And then I actually gave it some thought. I'm like, actually, I can't remember how that movie ended. And I thought maybe it's just because, you know, I'm 39 years old and I've got like old man brain or something going on. And I watched it again yesterday, actually, uh, last night while I was doing some work. And yeah, I saw the ending, but I'm not entirely sure what I saw. So I still don't know how that film ended. I don't know. It's PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is bullshit. Anyway, I did this cool uh, event this weekend. Uh, we went to the Japanese Cultural Festival. Uh, and I got to meet the ambassador, the Japanese ambassador to South Africa. And that was very, very cool. And there was a whole bunch of stuff that goes down with that. Anyway, not that exciting. But what I had to, what I did, well, what had to happen for me to be involved there was I had to go to Pretoria, which is like a good hour's drive away from where I stay in Joburg. And, and um, I went to a mall I very seldom frequent. I think it's the second time I've ever been to that mall. And so naturally, my senses managed to find the toy kingdom. And I got Arachnia because, yeah, um, Steve, I think you got Arachnia as well. And... And I, I and and I really like this toy, and I and I kept kicking myself for not buying it because it disappeared out of all of the toy stores up here in Joburg, or down here, up here in the middle here in Joburg. Well, um, you've got the the siege one, and I've got the or oh, sort of kingdom, kingdom black hmm. racket. Uh, yeah, I got the kingdom got the one. Yeah, transmetals one. Ooh. So yeah. anyway, I saw this and I was like, damn, I should have grabbed it. And it goes for 299 Rand. So that's like, fuck all. It was on special. So I had to get mm. it. And it's really charming. It's a cool, it, it freaks the shit out of Celia, which is awesome. Because uh, <laughs> it's nasty looking in spider mode. But uh, she was quite fascinated by the boobs on it. Uh, it's kind of a fun <laughs> feature. The boobs actually flip up. It's very strange for the transformation. Whoa. <laughs> yeah <laughs> guys this is a this is a great toy um it's cool that it goes with my waspinator i'm ha very happy with this i've enjoyed both of these very weird very unusual transformers figures that i've recently purchased that being waspinator and arachnia and i did however walk into a cna of all places so our south african listeners and you gentlemen you guys know cna is not necessarily a toy uh utopia toytopia um, and so, uh, but this was weird. I walked into CNA the other day for the first time, and it must have been months. And they got a whole bunch of toys there that are like Playmate obviously Star Trek. Uh, no, 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 nothing <laughs> that nothing that cool. Damn. Nothing that cool. But it's a lot of toy runoffs and things like that. They actually had this arachnia there as well for six hundred rand. They oh, also gross. had the slug that I was looking for. They they had slug, and I was like. Slag. Oh, cool. Come on, or man. Slag. Yeah, but um, all... when I say slug, I am referring to the fact that it's the Studio Series 86 version. The Triceratops like, Dinobot. I was everyone. so this happy. This is a GIGO podcast, of course. Yes, I know. <laughs> I was so happy about that. I was like, yeah, this is amazing. I turned the box around. It's 2,000 Rand. I was like, fuck that. Wow. I put that right down. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, there's a whole controversy behind that toy in South Africa. Um so on Take A Lot, they Take A Lot had this ad where they had that toy for 699 Rand. So I click on the ad, I go to Take A Lot, I add it to my cart, I complete the purchase, I get an email, um, a little, you know, because when you do an online purchase, they send you an email to say your order's been confirmed and it will be tracked and this is when it's coming, blah, blah, blah. 
And I was like, this is cool. Okay, sweet. So where's this email now? Because I haven't seen it. And oh. later on in the evening, they send me an email. They're like, I'm sorry, but we can't. Uh, this product has the wrong price listed. So I'm like, well, Consumer Protection Act, bitch. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, and she's like, no, it's a huge mistake. And they'll follow up and they'll get back to me. And I'm like, okay, no worries. I'm patient. Anyway, I put this down on a toy forum I know. And I'm just like, hey, has anybody else had issues getting um, slug slash slag on take a lot for 699 Rand. Well, let me tell you, there is quite the conspiracy with this bloody toy. Some guys put it in their cart and it magically went up to 1,500 Rand. Some guys ordered it, then they got the wrong toy. It's this whole thing. Um, so yeah, somebody it's, it screwed like up big time, big time. Oh. So it looks like I won't be getting uh, uh, 86 Studio Series slug anytime soon until I see it wasting away in some. Uh, price cutters toy shop for like 500 bucks. I'll keep my eyes peeled on Facebook Marketplace and rip it from some child's hand in the near future. Thank you. Uh, Thank yeah. you. That's, that's the privilege of being an adult. Anyway, guys, it would be I've, all I've of about mouthed... $10, $10 by that stage. Oh, I've mouthed off enough about my new purchases and toy experiences for the last, uh, I think that covers about three months of toy purchases for me. I am curious, however, yeah. what did Cecilia, what was her exact uh, comment on Black Arachnia's breasts? She was just like, check the boobs on that thing. Well, it's, it's animation accurate. I mean, she's voluptuous yeah. in that ridiculous like cg <laughs> early cg Bar. early cg boobs I, I i feel like the tomb raider um was was being channeled there polygons and all <laughs> <laughs> but anyways okay that's that's interesting um yeah very buxom toy i don't know how i feel about my transformers having such pronounced breastuses but i yeah guys it's time to clear the backlog i got for i don't know if you remember but I, I got a whole bunch of micro machine um micro city play sets yes but mixed into that lot was uh two transformers micro master battle stations so i got finally a, a transformer to go with it his name's hey. um red hot he was later renamed red heat but i'd say he's probably the coolest g1 micro master ever produced he's a fire truck with an actual swiveling and folding um ladder and water cannon which is awesome and he goes very nicely with hothouse which is the autobot fire station uh battle station um not to be confused with the infamous sex palace in cape town of the same name <laughs> <laughs> do you know it rob i don't you don't know the hothouse well, no i don't Good for you, pal. Good for you. Um, and and then, yeah, he transforms into a very neat little robot. I love how much suspension of disbelief, not even suspension of disbelief, just like invested backstory each of these guys got. They are basic, basic goals. They are beyond basic. They're essentially micro-machines that can stand up on their tails and have faces and arms. But and they're awesome. They each had, they had a tech spec, a sort of a team tech spec, but each one of them had their own motto so it gave you insight into each of their characters which awesome Anyways, <laughs> show I, me I them titties to... <laughs> 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 I, I do need to rinse through this uh because there are a few things then i also got a big boa 
um, uh, local uh, Australian seller was selling it and it had both of its boxing gloves and the hose and the Cobra symbols on the gloves were in in fine condition. So I pulled the trigger because the only big bar I have has no crotch because it was just thrown in with a trade, uh, just gratis, I guess. Just a little boa. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> no boa um yeah uh, anyway so i finally have a, a a big boa um and i know you guys i'm playing playing catch up because i know rob you got big boa at uh kokomo toys kokomo toys yep amazing what Fantastic drew you version. to that figure i think well, i mean i've always liked rocky and i like boxing uh well i've always enjoyed rocky boxing movies and and i just thought he was a unique character to get um he's probably the closest you know that i I would on purpose get a dreadnought like i know he's not a dreadnought but he he feels close to the dreadnoughts because he's like a punchy dude and he doesn't have actual guns and shit um i think i got him because he was fairly cheap (laughs) and he was in really good condition as well and i don't have i don't have many cobra higher ups like name characters i think so i i wanted to have someone who who had a name who was a person, an individual in in the Cobra ranks, and hmm. uh, he was right there, and he was he looked fantastic. He's an interesting named individual to kind of home in on, considering I don't know if you have a Cobra Commander. Hmm. I don't own a Cobra Commander. Uh, well, I well modern era. I think I. Own oh yeah, one. of course. Yeah, you've got of the course. the mirror face uh, like retaliation cobra commander like the good one yes. the one that people are comparing to the higher toys um oh, wow. the forthcoming oh, the higher higher toys. toys one looks really good oh it doesn't adjust i really yeah. like the fact that they have embossed the cobra logo on the chest mm. that kind of puts them a cut above the rest like that's something mm. that i uh, has never been done before to my knowledge and it's can't rub it's that amazing <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> try as you might you're gonna need sandpaper to take that one off um, all right, so let, let's move on to uh, some more toys. I'm going to go solo Ooh, and put oh, my wow. face on camera. Um, I got Sonar Strike or Sonar Sensor Batman from the Batman Forever line because we were at the Vintage Toy Store again and Elliot was like, do, 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 because that's, he doesn't say Batman. <laughs> he, he he sings the first few bars of the Tim Burton. Not not Tim Burton. The well, it is the Tim Burton, but the Danny, Elfman, the Danny yeah. Elfman, the Danny Elfman Batman so. theme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was I like, mean, we know that is <laughs> that is a Batman Forever Batman. I do not have a Val Kilmer Batman at all. The and little thing on the shoulder pops up. Yeah, there's a little bit of a likeness there. I mean, that jawline does look. That like jawline him. does look like him for sure. And also, it's it's a muted. The colors are very much like a Batman outfit. Yes, it's not yeah, like it's crazy it's tasteful. insane colors. I've got the the Batman Forever Batmobile, and I've never had a Kilmer Batman, so it it was meant to be. So I thank you, Elliot, for pushing me over the the edge on this guy. He has a <laughs> neat feature. His sonar sensor springs so, up. Still works. I had that. Very nice. Great. Rob had the one that had the crazy like goggles that kind of the yellow in. goggles. Yes. yes. Yeah. I had I that too. That well. <laughs> um, neat figure. Can't wait to reunite him with uh, my Batman Forever Batmobile, which is obviously still in Cape Town. Then I found on Facebook Marketplace a GI Joe vehicle lot going for fifteen Australian dollars. Uh, that's about one hundred and seventy South African rand. That's oh like 12, 12 US. 
three like Giorgio vehicles lunch. and a tub of the world's cheapest army men, like plastic army men. Like literally, <laughs> like you can you can take one finger and like bend them in half. They are wafer thin. So uh, yeah. I don't know if that's going to be too much fun for young Elliot. Amongst no. the vehicle lot, there was one vehicle that I'm not going to disclose online because uh, it's going to be destined for a member of G.I. Joburg. But this is the oh. cleanest septic tank I've ever held since I bought mine fresh in like 1993. Wow. This it's, is. I can tell you haven't seen mine. <laughs> oh, it's yours clean too. Well, I think Super this clean. thing was a bath toy because there's not yeah. a, a single shred, shred, not a single moat of dust on it. It is amazing, and it's not painted gray either. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> I took a sharpie to my original because when I first discovered that this was in fact based on the Hiss tank mold, and I saw pictures of this black tank, um, it was in a comic book ad for like mail-in uh, toys. It blew my mind. I was like, "Wow, okay, it looks good in black. Let me just take a sharpie and sh 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 make this orange monstrosity go away." But yeah, it's it's nice to have one in its uh, its former glory because you know if you've got a '90s display going, you don't get anything more blinding and particularly under a black light than <laughs> than this behemoth. I'd yeah, it'll look cool under black light. Dude, then, that's why I got one, man. It's so cyber. Yeah. Nice. Then the topic that I want to move us on to comes at the courtesy mm. of the Persuader. Persuader. Ooh, yeah. Yes, the 1987 G.I. Joe Persuader, a laser tank, something that would have perhaps found laser. a more comfortable uh, home with the Battle Force 2000. It was a regular release anyway, and there's a story behind that. On the 3D Joe's um, webpage, they've got an account by Guy Cassidy who uh, designed it and also put his name on one of the stickers. Sneaky. <laughs> got that one past Hasbro Legal. Uh, they must have been sleeping on the job. Anyway, the Persuader was... At least the, the the design of it was destined to be a Cobra vehicle, and with all these swoopy, very serpent serpent like lines. Serpentine, serpent. Thank you, Paul. Hey. Lordsmith today. Um, <laughs> it does actually feel very Cobra. Imagine this in Cobra blue or black or mm. red, if you so desire. Um, so, I mean, it's 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 a bit of an identity crisis, even in the design. I've never liked it as a result. But at an average of $5 per vehicle, I wasn't going to say no. In fact, this was the linchpin of the lot. This is the one that I wanted the most. And I wanted oh, to talk dude. to you. It has a hidden feature. I did not know Ooh. that the, the bumper has some spring to it. It's not an actual spring inside. It's really just a, a, a looped piece of plastic. Like a wishbone so type thing. Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, ram it into of, walls. Bit of resistance there. Um, but... And um, also using sort of flexing plastic, the, the wheels have a little bit of a suspension. Like the oh, back like three in a weird way. The back three That's are cool. on a rocker and the front two are on a rocker. That's so um, cool. It's it's Boca Tarning. I, I feel like <laughs> you should really loop some track over these <laughs> these wheels. I could just see extensive Enterprises Joe. Uh, it just doesn't look that thing up. It doesn't look finished being on wheels. And why would you have 10 wheels anyway? Like, that just feels cumbersome. Because right? 12 were too expensive. <laughs> I think I think four wheels make sense because you have two um, turnable sets. Mm. Four in the front, four in the back. 
um, you've seen that in like modern um, amphibious craft and armored personal carriers, but 10 weird. Um, nice. I want to talk to you about the heat wave cannon. Heat so wave. this I think is more of an artillery weapon. It sort of stays behind the lines or oh, you know, sure. not the, the tip of the spear. This isn't supposed to be in the armored charge. This is, this is a long range attack. Back with the rolling thunder. Albeit yeah, a sort of a line any... of sight. And it doesn't seem to have any anti-personnel stuff built into it. So it's definitely it like a rear. Oh, it does it. Well, it's got oh. a it's, it's got a missiles. smaller laser. I, I don't I don't have that. Um you don't have the all, all the missiles? No missiles. All the missiles, no. Oh. Boo shank. Okay, well, Dude. your version can't protect itself. It was in a lot for fifteen dollars. I'm not saying that, but and I think it looks better clean. I I kind of you know the 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 urge in GI Joe design to slap missiles over every unoccupied surface sometimes looks a little bit tasteless. And Santara reminds us that missiles on the Persuader are very loose and annoying. Uh, ah, absolutely. And it is nice that my gun stays in position, but uh, there might be some black magic uh, at help there. <laughs> really. <laughs> I'm just assuming so. <laughs> like like hell we have time for for any of that shenanigan um yeah yeah guys no, not Elliot mark two anytime soon anyway moving right along child <laughs> equals end of sex life it's like we, we've become very biblical it's like for procreation only uh anyway that's a little little too much insight into my personal <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>, you. <laughs> uh all right so Lasers in GI Joe, guys. Where do you see them? Are they something that every Joe has has access to and uses? Is it something that only uh, a handful use? And if so, why? What are their drawbacks? Do they need massive like power requirements? Are each of them kind of carrying this very sophisticated battery pack, or are they miniaturized? Like, can you have basically put your XMLR on charge? like a charging station <laughs> inside a vehicle between uses. And if so, how much power does a portable battery charge give you? I mean, how many shots are you going to get at like enough intensity to kill at like, I don't know, 200 meters? Wow. Um, Think about I feel it. like my, yeah, like, I, I mean, as you were like asking, I'm thinking, no, I have to, I thought about it because, um, I, you know, in the Trojan Gambit, there is a cool moment with a laser oh. and, and, uh, it kind of got me thinking like, wow, there, there's a lot of like smart consideration in that issue of the comic book with regards to, to the laser and how dangerous they are and all that. And I kind of feel like the XL, uh, X, XMLR, um, is kind of maybe not as powerful as, you know, Grand Slam's laser. I hope I'm getting the right show there. Um, so I kind of feel like, yeah, they're all trained with them, um, with the XLMR. I feel like that's kind of where the Joes are at. They're trained with those. Um, but the more sophisticated stuff that like sci-fi uses, I don't feel like they're trained with those because that's like a very powerful weapon. Just for reference of anyone who's not familiar with the, the nomenclature, the XMLR is the rifle that snow job canonically came with but yeah. it then became the template for the sunbow like ubiquitous gi joe rifle everyone yeah. had so, snow jobs gun because it 
more than anything else was designated as a laser gun, I think. Um, mm. Also, I, I imagine for animation, it had a, a cleaner profile. You didn't have to have a, a magazine line up with the, the angle of the gun itself. Like it's, it's a barrel, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a foregrip. It's very much just a, to draw. A, a, a rifle. Um, it's a laser in the toy line and it's a laser in the cartoon, which is cool as well. So, yes, I, I yeah. do appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then also just to like expand on that, like, I mean, we're just thinking of G.I. Joe, but like there are Cobra that also carry laser weapons. Well, okay, this is an interesting subject. I kind of feel like Zartan's gun is a bit of a laser uh, mm -hmm. just because of its styling. So... Yeah, I imagine he has some kind of battery in his backpack or something for that gun, and that it is only like a five or six shot kind of thing. Oh, uh, as but, little as that. Yeah, well, I mean, the lasers can be, uh, you know, when you have to shoot at that intensity, I imagine that they, they chow a lot of battery life. I mean, the a Walkman, well, should I say a Discman, <laughs> uh, those things on battery life used to last for six hours, and that was a a very low light emitting laser. So can you imagine something that's actually designed to, to pierce flesh or Jeez, armor or whatever? So that that is, is a very good analogy. Like I, I didn't think about the laser inside a disc, man. So, <laughs> you can't exactly weaponize that. I mean, calculate how much more juice you'd need to get, to get a lethal uh, blast. Yeah, no, these are very sophisticated batteries. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Maybe you only got five or six shots. Um, and then if you push that to its furthest and you've got something like the Persuader, which has a, a, a 10 megawatt heat wave cannon, um, it's designed for anti-armor, but I think its shining use would probably be to knock targets out of the air. Because mm. with a laser weapon, you're basically firing line of sight. If you can see it, you can instantaneously burn it. Mm. Um, so, you know, you could lock onto targets that are like visible above you a lot easier than you could lock onto targets that are obscured by terrain or like beyond the curvature of the earth, <laughs> you know, beyond the horizon line. Um, so I, I think, well, I think this there? should be your, your, your air support, your mobile anti-air tank vehicle. Well, in, in Ace Combat, uh, you can get a, a dedicated kind of laser weapon that you pop on the front of certain aircraft. Um, and it's really, really, really powerful, but you do have to get used to using it because you can't lock on. You have to. It's totally line of sight. But that thing is devastating. I mean, it is it is super, super powerful. Uh, you don't have to, to stay uh, keep it on a bird for too long before it pops. Let's put it that way. So... Ooh. I can aircraft? see that. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like on an aircraft. Oh, on a I mean, bird. Aircraft. When you when you see them, like the thing is with that weapon, you don't even engage with somebody close range. You kind of get a feel for its range. I think it does about three thousand meters. Well, look, air, uh, 3, aircrafts yeah, are, are relatively frail things when it comes down to it. It doesn't take a lot of firepower to knock them out of the sky. But using the persuader against armored targets, does that mean you have to kind of have it? locked on to the same spot for i don't know 10 seconds 15 seconds the longer yeah um, yeah you would have you would have to do that for it to, it's probably yeah. a very stealthy weapon though like it doesn't have a bang 
and it doesn't give off well it would give off smoke at the point of at which it's burning but like if you are a tank that's kind of i don't know half buried in the sand like in a hull down position and the persuaders spotted you and it starts burning away at you you might not know it's it's on you until it's too late so like the persuader yeah. if it's got to yeah. jump on you is a very powerful weapon but to try and fight moving targets i think we're going to see the limitations of the persuader moving targets that have armor i should say and the poor crew actually mm, well, yeah that's okay, horrible I, way to go <laughs> death um, gi joe it's an uncomfortable subject we've got a great question in the, the comments from mark van leeuwen yeah so you're trying to pull it up <laughs> Paul, Paul. um he says cobra had shooting lasers until the laser viper showed up and suddenly the laser was only to pinpoint targets what was that about i'm gonna kick this over to rob because i know paul and i probably have a response prepared that is i have i'd never actually thought of that um that is really weird i suppose they kind of realized how powerful lasers could really be um and that actually at least in a comic book setting um or a real world setting it could actually be a lot more gruesome that's probably also why you only have one flamethrower guy or two flamethrower guys really um even though the joes have more than cobra um I've been soldier well, yeah, um, I think maybe they kind of realized that lasers weren't the way to go in, 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 in a more realistic setting. Like in cartoons, you can definitely do lasers. Like you don't have to think about, because, you know, it's just beams that shoot out very quickly. They hit their target, you get injured. There's no mm. like, um, like excessive damage, you know, that you can kind of like picture. Um, you, you, you can tone down lasers very easily, but... If you think about lasers too much, it really does get more gruesome than bullet wounds could get. Mm. You know, kind of like boiling people alive and like stripping the <laughs> you know the, the the costume away, and then the flesh goes away, and it's like and the, people don't parts. even know. I mean, that's even scarier than like a, a sniper is 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 a laser sniper. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and oh, it, it feels duty. less, it feels less, um, well, not honorable, but I mean, it's, it's very non Geneva convention. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think yeah. so. And that's why, in my opinion, I think lasers, at least in the Joe team, shouldn't be widespread. It should be more a specialist, um, tool or large scale, where I think, yeah, your, your point of like shooting planes out of the sky. Um, it's just quite a useful ability for, for something like the Persuader to have, or, you know, it's, it's a good mechanism or a good use for lasers. Um, and yeah, I, th I think also lasers are kind of restricting because yes, you, they're a very specialized weapon compared to bullets where, you know, if, if, if you don't have enough bullets, you can always take them from your enemy, depending on what, what caliber weapons they're using. Um, and also probably it's much cheaper to produce bullets. I'm guessing then battery packs then back well maybe it depends in the on the 80s are there in rechargeable the batteries or are you discarding batteries all over the battle i don't know i quite um, like my initial idea that like particularly the xmlr which is a self-contained unit you put it onto a charge port between uses if yeah. you are at base or, or with a but mobile also that's the thing, like when you station. run out of laser fire you run out of laser fire. There is no alternative. Your backup will then always be a bullet-based gun. Sure. Mm. 
because and you you've can. got to keep lugging your XMLR around because you can't let let it fall into Cobra's hand. Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, a cumbersome thing. Equipment. I see why you mean it's like it's for specialized troops. Specialized, but let's answer yeah. let's answer Mark's question. Yes, uh, Paul, do you have a a, a solution? Yeah, well, I have three. Cobra had lasers, and then all of a sudden the laser viper shows up, and then it's a thing. Like, ooh. I got I got three um, schools of thinking that go into this. The one is oh, wow. uh, to create a departure from Star Wars. I think uh, you know everything in the eighties was like shooting lasers and stuff, and I think uh, there was this misconception. You know, maybe there was like a blurring of the lines uh, that Hasbro didn't want to have. You know, like with Star Wars, like maybe in the beginning they wanted GI Joe's to have lasers, even going as far as to pinch some of the sound effects from star wars i don't know if you i'm sure you guys have picked that up on some of the shows before um you know to kind of you know lull kids into that and then i think maybe at some point it you know it, it didn't work for them anymore um the other school of thought is that the gi joe's the toys come with real uh with uh miniature versions of real guns of guns that exist in the real world and um these same gi joes are seen shooting those guns in the cartoon and then they have lasers coming out of them and i think there needed to be some kind of uh you know like distinction to kind of let kids know that hey listen like guns aren't cool laser shooting toys they actually you know shoot bullets and they're quite dangerous so maybe that was a school of thought um and then uh the third thing that i can think of is well, and that ties into obviously why, you know, where lasers get used in real military application is, you know, for spotting and marking of targets um, to create line of sight for, for you know, airstrikes and that kind of stuff. Well, so I feel like, air, air yeah, attack. yeah. So I feel like that was kind of part of the whole thing. Like Hasbro was trying to then now educate people because maybe uh, some of the people that had started reading G.I. Joe in the 80s had grown up a bit more and they were maybe complaining to Hasbro about this in the comic book or something saying, Hey, like, listen, this is a thing and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, th those would be two schools of thinking there. The dis um, disassociation with Star Wars and the disassociation with, with real weapons being toys. I think that those are my two major ones. The third one's I'm kind of fallen. Gonna yeah. go a little bit more cynical than that, and that's the fact that the cartoon did red and blue lasers, um, and Larry did the cartoon, the comic books, and the file cards. So Cobra didn't have a laser trooper or any kind of use of lasers, at least not widespread, up until mm. the arrival of the Laser Viper. But the Laser Viper file card only makes it out to be a target designator for yeah. airstrikes and for, I suppose, ordnance attacks. However, Larry himself in issue 130 used laser vipers to do like cutting work. They, they, were, they were cutting through the, the blast doors hmm. of the pit. Yeah. So, I mean, at high intensity, even Larry's lasers are, are like essentially scaled up acetylene torches. And... We see this as early as issue three of G.I. Joe. That's correct, uh, yes. Yeah. From Marvel. Yeah. Mm. So, yes, lasers for offensive purposes, but also lasers for practical cutting purposes. Um, and that kind of then took a giant dump on the presence of lasers as like handheld weapons in Cobra through the cartoon years. There's always this like divide between the cartoon logic and the comic book logic. And typically, mm. the comic book logic lines up with the file cards because the same guy was writing them. 
<laughs> right. That was. I was actually worried that my third point was flimsy, uh, but actually you kind of reached <laughs> into that. That a laser also becomes kind of a hand of God weapon as well. Um, it ends up being so much stronger than everything else that exists. So you end up blowing it away. But you I can don't build in weaknesses like they're pretty like finely tuned devices that can't take too much punishment. That's why you need guys like Flash and Sci-Fi who know how to maintain yeah. the equipment as opposed to just shoot it. Any yeah. Any hooch. Thanks awesome. for the question, Mark. Love, yeah. love, love me some laser talk in G.I. Joe. Next week, sludge. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk septic tank. And what what is that all about? But let's let's do some G.I. Joe media and stuff. Um, mm. What did we have first on the agenda? I think it was Renegades, episode two. <laughs> Does anyone have a, a summary for this episode? The <laughs> G.I. Joes are still on the run, but soon they discover a town overrun. Monsters loose. They gotta clean them up, but nothing's at the end of the road because they're still out there on the run. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Well, I mean, we open with with them um, <laughs> eulogizing old old Ripcord who died in the we lost him in Rest the first in episode. Cord, but they realize they have to go back into Springfield because one of Doctor Mindbender's bio vipers is on the loose. Yeah, they can't just leave. Not now only that, the the, the net is closing uh, because first officer was it first officer? I don't know what warrant officer. I don't know, Warned but Flint, Flint. Flint has been tossed with bringing Duke and the Renegades in. Yeah. And at his side, he's got one of Duke's closest allies on the inside, Lady J. Ooh, and they're bumping heads from the very start, Lady J and Flint. There's no well, love lost between these people. Absolutely, because Lady J has the secret uh, affiliation or, I don't know, um, friendship, kinship. Um, there's a better word that I'm stumbling on. Something like that. Uh, sympathy loyalty, for Duke. Sympathy, loyalty, yeah. that's it. Loyalty to Duke. Hey. But, of course, she's duty-bound to support Flint. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, she, she, kind of, car there. <laughs> she turns a blind eye to the fact that the renegades steal Flint's Jeep. Ha, ha, ha. She like, key, keys to the car. <laughs> exactly. Guys, I really appreciate this episode because it is renegades doing... I mean, Paul, the last time we talked about one of these these episodes, you were like, <laughs> you, is it Cobra or is it Umbrella Inc. from, hmm. oh, sorry, the Umbrella Corporation from the Resident Evil Resident series. Resident Evil, yeah. Because it, they're into big pharmaceuticals and weapons and they've got this town that they have a major facility in and the facility mm. kind of, a disaster takes place there Resident and there are things Evil. on the loose. Absolutely. And they throw a cordon around this city. Like at one yeah. point, they've got they one of those Cobra vehicles that are just dropping these laser fields, which are lethal. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody gets in. Nobody gets out. Uh, Mindbenders traipsing through there to try and track down this bio viper because as Baroness puts it, like you dare not unveil this technology to the world without the commanders say so. So he's scared of that. And Baroness wants to nuke the whole town. And Mindbender's like, um, are you sure the commander would like that? So so everyone's a little bit gun shy of like yeah. pissing yeah. off the commander, which is pretty pissing cool. Off the commander 
and also I like that. I mean, having yeah. to keep things clandestine. It's like yes, they're an evil organization, but they they need to remain um, unsullied in, in the eyes of the public. Yeah. Like they, they can definitely do whatever they want as long as no one finds out about it. I love the reveal of like the commander at the end that like he's using deep fake technology to put on this like this very pleasant kind of pleasant looks a bit like Dr. Venom to be honest um, but mm -hmm. this corporate face that appears in all the the commercials for Cobra Enterprises or Cobra is uh, Jeff Bezos uh, Jeff Bezos uh, <laughs> uh, outfit <laughs> totally but then as I say it's deep fake I suppose holography at that point because mm -hmm. he's actually still just sitting at his throne with his like half masked face um, he does face to face communication but all the other person is seeing is this this skin yeah he's like a, a, a VTuber basically Yes, very good. It was VTubing before. Only fangs. <laughs> so, what did you guys pull from this episode? What did you like? What did you loathe? Ooh, uh, there's one thing I just want to like put a spotlight on immediately. Mm. How mm -hmm. frightening and horrifying is it when that guy opens the barn and all those those uh, sheep have been like completely emaciated, mm. and yes. they just. And I was like, oh my word, are you trying to get this show cancelled? Because this is a kid's oh, that's, quite, that's quite vicious imagery. So um, to put you guys in the frame, the bio viper draws its strength from siphoning energy off living things. It does the same to like a cornfield and it grows that way, but it also like feeds off these poor sheep, which then become like really d dilapidated corpses depleted yeah. i don't know yeah, yeah that's emaciated that's it yeah. yeah yeah man it took on a, a great horror turn i mm. i liked what it was doing in that regard i wish they could push that out further because i've always wanted to see like a joe resident evil take mm. well they're certainly delivering so far you know i mean that they're, they're Maybe not pushing the envelope, but they definitely are giving you those kind of like horror vibes. It could well, be more selling... horrific. You, yeah. you could definitely go further with it. At one point, a, a boy Cobra. is absorbed by the bio viper, and I'm like, oh, yeah, and oh that's happens. it for you, pal. No, <laughs> we're no. gonna see this the skeleton, like it's just gloopy skeleton <laughs> on the inside of the bio viper until it finishes feeding off all his his his. I don't know nutrients, and then just nutrients drop that out the back. <laughs> but I, I, I love, and the reason I bring that up is because it does set a tone. It sets a precedent. Like it says, "Hey, this is actually what this thing does. It's really gruesome. It informs the viewers. It makes, um, it adds to all of the the fear and horror that is Cobra that is being set up by Mindbender and Baroness's Tet on Tet as well. So there's a lot of that." There's a lot of those kind of things that I really like. So that everything that involves making Cobra Commander um, scary and making Cobra themselves very um, efficient at being assholes, I really love in this episode. Uh, I actually felt it was a little bit of a walk on the wild side for this cartoon because um, at that moment I was like, you made this sort of safe for kids, but this is not written for kids. It's kind of mm. how I felt. Yeah, it mm. felt a bit anime. Yeah. Ditto the interplay between the Joes themselves. Scarlet's still throwing her weight around as the ranking officer, but Duke quickly mm. puts her in her place by saying, we have no rank. 
we are equal opportunity outlaws now. So like mm -hmm. you can shut the hell up about constantly rubbing in that you're the the, the officer here. Um, so he's taking taking back control of the unit, which is I like the friction. I like the fact that Duke and Scarlet aren't just like old war buddies, you know, big chums. Like there's more to it than that. And yeah, this, this they, they're bit. developing. Yeah, yeah, it's good. But as with the good must come the bad, is there anything, any nitpicks, any anything that jarred you guys in this episode? Yeah, I really wish they would just fix up their background game. Um, <laughs> no, but like... I, I, I started noticing it now. It does what it needs to do. Yeah. Your eyes are on the subjects. You don't notice the fact that like at one point the background is just like a green bleed into a blue. Yes. Or like something that resembles a tree from a silhouette level, but not really a tree. And it's weird. But you don't, like it's, don't you think a yeah. more detailed background would detract from what this show is doing? I think, which is I think it would. Yeah, I think exactly. it would. It's placing the character yeah. designs firmly in your face. It's a nitpick for sure. Like that that's that's what I'm saying. It's a nitpick. I don't feel like it's a really credible uh critique or, or should I say it's a I don't feel it's a credible a credible criticism on the show. It's just a nitpick. Mm. It's a personal subjective thing from my side. Um, and maybe that's just because I am currently in the trenches doing backgrounds and I have an art director right. that is very specific about stuff. So maybe I'm just in specific mode at the moment when it comes to that. Um, I love vehicle but, and tech designs on this, like the mm. what is later called the Coyote, the G.I. Joe's principal vehicle. Awesome. I even like the, the dickish G.I. Well, not G.I. Joe, the American Army all-wheel four-wheel drive vehicles they look kind of like next gen and smooth and suburban and whatnot that they're awful but but they serve their purpose which is cool um yeah because they're not the hero vehicle uh i love the laser fence i love the fact that there's a, a mars armaments box underneath the the vehicle that's a plot point like they're like mm. scarlet's like i found this mars equipment so cobra's in bed with a major arms co company What's that all about? So these are all just little keys. I hate when they open that box and you see those god-awful weapon designs again. I really <laughs> yeah. just... The fact that these guns are as tall as they are long, it's gross. And they even go yeah. so far as to give Scarlet a kind of crossbow-esque gun. It's this rectangle that has your two... your laser. <laughs> it has two, like, like crossbow arms. Uh, coming off the sides yeah Yuck. that yeah but that is i so don't minor. hate it that's such a minor nitpick. yeah rob I do you have a, a low yeah. point i for me i still would prefer that stuff was more focused on like evil technology um but i understand you know obviously i mean yeah the, the parallels between cobra and umbrella and how i mean in the, when the cartoon was being made and also these days the focus often has been more on biological terror rather than has been on technological terror which i mean we we get quite a bit of in, in early gi joe um and in the 80s and the 90s um and and yeah i mean they have been shifting more towards biological terror um for many many years in gi joe um that you know that was starting to come on the rise in the 90s um already um 
I really do wish like, yeah, like the, the tech was more interesting um, as well. I mean, like the gun designs are just awful, um, <laughs> but just like, yeah, I want more technological interest more than just the biological stuff that's going on, you know, like these bio vipers. And it's, it's, it's difficult also to have such a powerful enemy that is very, very tough to, to beat. Um, they really are struggling to, to beat these guys. And I would like to see more Cobra troopers for them to come up against rather than just this thing constantly and continuously. So I'm hoping it's, you know, this is the setup and then we don't get have to see it in every single episode. Like, oh, it's the Bio Viper again. Um, yeah. Save it for like big, big stuff, you know. Like, I think, yes, the two-part start of the, of the entire series, have it in there, set up that this thing is absolutely, you know, it's it's not unstoppable, but it is, it's it's a terror that, that you, you know, that you won't easily forget about. But don't overuse it. If I was but to overall, rate this I think, one... Yeah, it's very decent. Yeah, oh, what it, are you Rob? giving it, Stephen? Well, oh, okay, what, 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 what I'm going to say it's, it's, it's once again, like, a kind of a middle-of-the-ground episode, so a three, but it's a better oh. three for me than the first episode. Because this mm. thing does interesting stuff and doesn't have too many uh, extraneous code names being being flung around. So a, a better three is higher than a three point five. Oh, sorry, Ben. Ben, this is a three point seven five. I really don't want to split hairs. I want to give it the same score <laughs> as the first, but at the same time say that I you enjoyed it more than the first. Higher. Yeah, because it it had to spend less time on the introductions and more time on like getting the character the clashes. Yeah, the yeah. meat. Um, I would, setting up the Baroness and and um, Mindbender's relationship, and also their relationship with the Commander. Interesting yeah, stuff. Into the storyline as well, um, which I think the is horror really cool. element. Yeah, yeah, I think good it's, stuff. It's, it's a good start. It's a strong finish. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it a higher rating than um, the first episode too. I'm I'm, I'm going to give it a three. Hell yeah! Mm, Slowly, I'm rocking. I want to I want to rock it with the four. Um, because Ooh. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It had a lot of things that I enjoyed. I liked, Stephen mentioned friction between the characters. I enjoyed that because that's writers that are willing to be brave with the characters and interesting. Um, but that friction was on both sides of the coin, which was cool. Um, I enjoyed the sort of tactics and the puzzle solving in the episode, like, you know, how they, how they overcome, or how they overcame their, um, how they A teamed it, how they A teamed <laughs> the shit out of that thing. That was cool. Um, so yeah, they used insecticide or pesticides yeah. to 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 kind of I don't know melt this creature. Yeah, it caused some kind of uh, biological sort of uh, chemical reaction. reaction. Mm. Yeah, which which I appreciate. It. Yeah, because and that's also very Resident Evil because you get a BOW, um, the the biological weapons, um, you know, the anti BOW weapons in resident evil which is you know the acid and all that stuff for those of you who have played the the resident evil games uh, or biohazard games um yeah there was just a lot going for it i mean I, I remember when this came out and i saw the second episode i was like wow okay cool this is rad there's some like combat and stuff i want to see what's coming next so yeah four out of four out of five it's a, it's a goodie for me it's a winner lovely shall we uh flip the script to an episode Ooh. that aired in 1985. My dun, goodness. Dun, Red, Red Rocket's is... Glare. My, 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 my. I think I did I summarize did. this one. Um, you unless did. you did, Paul. <laughs> did I know you did. you did. You did. No, you, you, 
You you took so that assignment. There, there's there's uh, no cynical take on the episode then. No. <laughs> Destro has a base in what looks like an Aztec pyramid. He's using the indigenous people to come. What to come to comb? Okay, I wrote this letter. <laughs> He's using the indigenous people to comb the jungle for mini football-shaped cobra-branded MacGuffins <laughs> and paying them in gold to recover them. He uses these to complete the warheads on a new weapon, the Photon Disintegrator. But G.I. Joe crashes the party and overruns the base. Destro escapes with the warhead. Time passes and we catch up with Ricondo and Roadblock heading to the to Roadblock's aunt and uncle's restaurant, which he's disappointed to learn has been converted to a Red Rockets franchise. They've been harassed by biker gangs that have kept the customers away. Bills are climbing. They are being strong. They're being strong-armed to sell the restaurant to extensive enterprises. But Cobra and extensive enterprises are behind everything, as the biker gangs are hired mercenaries and the Red Rocket restaurants are actual launch pads for the real rockets containing Destro's <sighs> photon disintegrator weapon. What anyway, will Joe do? There's, there's a, a massive um, uh, uh, price to be paid, and if... Cobra doesn't get the money by dawn. They'll launch all the rockets. So G.I. Joe rolls out a massive mobilization and successfully overruns all the sites. Yo, Joe. <laughs> then wow. we end with a big, uh, big cookout at uh, Roadblock's aunt and uncle's place, which Hell has now yeah. been called the Joe. I don't know. The Joe. I don't know. Something about something Joe's. <laughs> wow, this, like this, my summary. This it episode really left a, <laughs> a big impression on you. Well, I had to watch it three times because we've stopped short of <laughs> reviewing this episode. So some some details have been retained, some have rinsed. But yeah, they've they've ditched the Red Rocket uh, branding, obviously. I love the fact that Roadblock comes in and the animators had a laugh about the fact that the Red Rocket has this like sign that waves, this lifelike character sign. And he kind of is waving back and forth the whole time. And when Roadblock comes into the restaurant, he's also doing that gesture. He's like standing <laughs> next to the sign, also like waving mechanically. Very funny. So many oh, cool, cool little nods. So Celia watched this episode with me. Um, ah. And it was great. In fact, she watched both, uh, both of the, the G.I. Joe episodes with me. And I failed to mention earlier that she actually quite enjoyed the Renegades episode. And and also this one, but um, oh, the one thing that she pointed she like out, more? <laughs> I need to actually ask her. Um, but she pointed out such a cool detail um, about them wearing. It was two of the Joes wearing the same shirt. They were wearing like the same. Um, what like Rikondo and Roadblock? Shirt. Yes, yeah. and she made that comment like immediately. And then there's a payoff line in the actual show about that, and. I was like so proud of my girlfriend <laughs> because it, it was just such a like she could tell that that was very out of place for those characters, um, but that was great, you know. Um, so that there was lots of those like little things in there, and then there was also, and this is also clothing related, um, and I love this as well. Is when they see the punks, they're actually not punks; those are normal kids. <laughs> You know, like yes. yeah. gonna punch the pimples off them or something, but the, the yeah. aunts and uncle are like, No, 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 those are actual customers. Yeah. The the guys you need to worry about are the biker dudes with laser guns. So it's like it's it's upping the ante. I mean, you've got these guys that look pretty scummy. They're kids with like pink hair and whatnot, uh, in convertibles, but they're not the bad guys. The, you're expecting them to be the the no good 
but yeah gi joe cartoon that bumps it up a notch and ironically these the, the the mercenary bikers that are hired by extensive enterprises aren't the dreadnoughts yeah, yeah. Discuss, yeah. gentlemen why why is that i suppose it's too much of a connection to to cobra yeah. either that mm-hmm. or the episode was developed and written and made at about the same time that the previous episode was so they actually didn't extensively know about the existence of the dreadnoughts Mm, the dreadnoughts mm, had made appearances in the 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 mini series up to that point, oh, like major true. appearances. The, the okay, dreadnoughts well then, were established. Well, then they obviously did it on purpose. Then it's it's a misdirection. It's it's the same. I mean, the whole episode is about misdirections. Um, you know, things yeah. hiding in plain sight, things um, not being yeah. what they're obviously not being what you think they are. You know, like they yeah. they mistake the kids uh, for the hooligans. Um, and and if they had had used the dreadnoughts, there would have been too much of an obvious connection between cobra and and you know what 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 they're doing there because also i mean like the entire like that first sequence the cold start is like okay they they beat them and now they're going to go off and um and and have lunch with with his uncle and his aunt um so it's like okay they they solved that problem kind of you know i mean yes destro got away with that thing but that doesn't necessarily connect directly to what's about to happen in the rest of the episode um what is that thing It's like they, it's a case of the the script not lining up with what we're seeing because mm. it feels like Destro's getting raw uh, raw materials from the jungle. Like that's what yeah. the script is suggesting to to complete his weapon. But when we see the actual item that has been animated, it's a small like novelty football size like a gleaming metallic thing that has a Cobra logo stamped on it. Mm-hmm. Huh? So did, can, in, a, in a kind yeah. of a weather dominator situation, did like the parts uh, get involved in a, a lab accident and get scattered throughout the jungle? There are many questions at this, the start of this episode. Yeah, I think that goes back to the, to the misdirection um, thing of the episode. And actually, and that's what I think is the, the, the shining thing about this whole episode, because <laughs> Firstly, how cool is it that this is a cartoon show that's trying to teach kids um, a really, really good street smart skill? You know, it's not like don't stick your finger in plugs, you know, don't throw a toaster in the bath. You know, it's none of that kind of thing. It's like, you know what? There are con artists out there and you've got to be wise, son. <laughs> and I love that about this episode. It, it really is about how a family is being extorted. And I feel like a that's such corporate. a great, mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's such a great message in in the show. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah, this show is great. I mean, they were doing the right cocaine when they made this episode because <laughs> I just love that they do that. They're basically showing, hey, listen, this kind of thing happens, and you know, you got to be aware of that. And then also, don't judge, you know, a book by its cover. Don't you know? And that was another thing, you know, like. You know, we so often, to, even in today's society, see somebody and assume they are this kind of person because of their clothing or their hair or whatever's. And yes, obviously, they are trying to um, wear that identity or, or project that identity. But often there's a misconception about who those people are. You know, um, uh, often the one that's often the case is like heavy, uh, hardcore bikers you know, end up doing so much for charity, but yet they're always seen as like a bad bunch, you know? 
And so I enjoyed that this episode also plays with um, perception, you know, um, that and I don't know about you guys, but I love that polls come out of the building side of buildings. When Zamot and Tomax are making <laughs> and Tomax are the perfect encapsulation of like the cocaine fueled. That's another time cocaine has come up in this conversation. Yuppie. But eighties yuppie like corporate overlord madman. They yeah. are just given to excess, man. They they have a private plane that they don't bother landing. They jump out, discarding the door. I might add. Just somewhere <laughs> over Enterprise City, this door is going to land on someone's head. Um, and they vault out of the plane and, and straight onto the top of their building. They descend the elevator, which I might add has a secret panel, which contains their two-tone like gray slacks, blue jacket suits. <laughs> Very 80s, my goodness. And they sit at their desks and the phone rings and it's, it's, it's all good news, man. Profits are soaring. They're buying back all their old franchises at a profit. Um, yeah, man, good times were had by all. And yes, Lady J, she doesn't stand a chance. Uh, when she's falling through the air, like th those poles deploy from the sides of the building and allow Tomex and Zaymont to kind of trapeze artists their way down to the ground. Brilliant. I guys, I have an early memory of this episode. I'm convinced I saw this on like Mnet Open Time. Mm. Occasionally, if you didn't have a decoder, I feel like they did this on purpose. But when yeah. it when it went into paid TV, like they give you, I think two or three <laughs> hours of of what they call open time. You could open watch, time. Yeah. You could watch Mnet without a decoder before it then scrambled for the more high end stuff. Of which, ironically, the GI Joe cartoon was. But I think one day I was watching Mnet Unscrambled at an unusual time and I caught this episode. And mm. the reason I remember that is twofold. The poles coming out of the building is one. I mm. could not have Mandela affected that. I know I saw it somewhere as a child. And two, the cold open sequence, or should I say hot open sequence that involves Blowtorch quite heavily. I remember watching and thinking, hey, I've got that guy. That's Charbroil oh okay and i was like whoa that's so cool that's how you use a flamethrower you you use it to to burn giant boxes and have them fall on top of your enemy <laughs> <laughs> amazing i mean i love the open to this 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 episode but it's totally unnecessary to the story uh blowtorch seems to have like a a, a, a characterization and a, a bit of a through line started there that doesn't get picked up on at the end of the episode at all. Like he's kind of discarded. He's like, Oh, I could have, I could have had him. I let him go. Oh, he got through my fingers again. Destro. Um, but man, yeah, I, I wanted to see a bit more blowtorch. I was like, this is cool. He was channeling some of that ice cream soldier flamethrower commando type specialty because basically he was the flame guy and he like aced it he went off to destro solo man everyone else was mopping up outside but yeah dude blowtorch was the the one-man army very very cool yeah that was a ramble that was no, that was great insight because but yeah uh, so it, you you can read it as misdirection um but you can also read it as kind of like they had to fill in time in the episode it could Yo, be that they had a concept for the episode, but they didn't have enough stuff to fill the entire runtime, and so I'm, they kind of just slapped on that 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 start sequence. You know, I'm quite impressed that Destro escapes on a 
a flight pod and lands in this strange like town that Cobra is building. You've got a bunch of mm. blue shirts constructing a town. And I'm like, well, what the hell is that? That doesn't get really name checked or or any information given on, the, on that in the episode. And then later on, when Cobra, as they typically would need to do and demonstrate the power of the photonic disintegrator or whatever the hell the thing's called, they cut to a, a town that they then vaporize. And then all of a sudden it's this uh, pastoral scene with like a butterfly flapping and green <laughs> trees and fields and mountains. And I'm like, wow, Cobra built a fake town <laughs> just so that they could demonstrate like this weapon. Oh my goodness. Like, that's very considerate of them. Can you Instead actually of using imagine? its destructive power on a real town. They bothered it's to like... animate this entire like sequence of them building a fake town. Amazing. If they had just not spent the money to build the town, they would have had all the money they they would have gotten from the uh, the you know the the, the the demands at the end of the episode. You need to pay us back for that town that we destroyed in order to show maybe, you how maybe that's the link. Is. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's how that's supposed to hook up, you know. Um, I've got a theory about that. Uh, I mean, like uh, on a on a more cynical sort of level. Oh. Instead of instead of seeing it as the open being the sort of misdirection um, that we've sort of discussed, it could have also been a case of. Uh, the weapon that they wanted to have Cobra wield was something of like, you know, devastating. Uh, you know, it, it had like some kind of seriously devastating quality. And it's possible that once it went to the higher ups, the higher ups were like, fuck no and hell no, <laughs> you know, change that. And they had already spent money on their budget to get that first portion animated and, and cleared. So they were like, uh, crap. So they probably found the, try to like, make that segue in a weird you know and, and had to rewrite the episode on the fly the reason i can say this um with some form of authority is that uh that has happened on one of the episodes we've worked on as well um i may have told you guys about the evil yoga episode that has been completely yes yes yeah um like thrown out yoga but is they were bad yoga is apparently it's the devil dude it's the devil but how they were far one did of... the episode get before you had to oh thank it. god okay so <laughs> luckily it went to final scripting uh it went to final scripting and it went into um it actually went into layout phase which means that the pencils for the the rough layouts for us to do the uh, the painting over had already started so it was it was lucky that they managed to stop it before it went further than that um so we could like you know pivot but yeah that was kind of a, a, a thing um and then there was also another it's I, I can't go into too many too many details but we basically got a whole bunch of corrections now recently because something as stupid as a time of day had to be changed because they felt that just change the values on the the background like i wish it was that sky simple. and take it down <laughs> oh yeah no it is that but that still takes time because then you have Naturally. to go in and make sure everything matches yeah, that color wise and in some cases that just mm -hmm. actually takes longer sometimes so if it was a case of we're shooting this at night it makes this whole scene cd so we had to change mm -hmm. it to daytime so oh. like think yeah so that was like a thing as well like the the producer the executive producers oh, okay so you're like, getting a mm -hmm. conspiracy theory on us here like yeah maybe, so i maybe think this is a, this is why it feels kind of disconnected 
There's yeah, no I think overarching theme here. It's just like they had to pivot to be able to change things. And it, yeah, well. I remember this is it's this many is hands on the on the wheel uh, when it yeah. comes mm. to, to producing the, the the cartoon as opposed yeah, even to even more book. so than with comic books. Yeah, I mean, comic oh, absolutely, books writer artist, one man. Well, one man, but I mean, you know, two men and then two persons, well, depending. You know, the artist can be split into inker than the colorist. Um, and, but and but yeah, then also there's only one person above them, an editor. You know, who kind exactly. of like edits their stuff. Who has got one oh. person above them? Who is the the brand manager? Yeah, exactly. And so, they're kind yeah. of all yeah. There's, there's there's less people in the in the way or that have to be um, spoken to. Um, yeah. But yeah, Paul, Shareholders. Mark's got a question for you. Where can we see this cartoon you're working on? Is it okay, so here's, uh, so here's the thing. I'm going to tell Alice? you guys some serious, I'm going to tell you some seriously privileged information that I think is Whoa. safe. Oh. Um, it will be airing. I think there will be some episodes that will air this year. I'm mm. not entirely sure when they will air, but I know that they won't be airing on TV. When Whoa. that happens, I believe that they might do a small marketing push Hopefully they do a sizzle reel or a or they release a pilot episode, which I can then point people to. But I cannot say when it's coming out. I do actually know when it's coming out, but I can't say when, and I can't say exactly what episode what coming it is. out. <laughs> I can just say that it may or at least very well should be partially visible this year. Um, but okay. it's also up to the 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 channel and all that stuff so the network the guys who who commissioned the show NDA yeah, and rob, baby oh yeah Ooh. and i will say this much as well and rob mm. don't 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 share your thoughts vocally okay. um but you might very well see it very soon Ooh. um and so i won't be the one that's showing it to you so that might give you some kind of idea of where it might be yeah so when that happens i'll be sure to take some footage with my phone or something anyway uh, <laughs> thank you for asking mark red rockets yeah. claire though i just want to yeah. bring to everyone's attention how batshit crazy the cartoon can be my goodness okay aside from tomax and zamot's entire performance <laughs> the fact that <laughs> things like the whale can like cruise up a steep oh, hill, up a steep hill. Oh, yeah, <laughs> The fact that Flint and Lady J basically park their dragonfly hovering outside a woman's apartment and they're watching Cobra's ransom demands on the TV from their helicopter. Awesome. And then the finale, guys. Roadblock mounts the rocket. As it has other fun fun moments for this episode. Doctor Strange Love style. And the twins decide to hitch a ride right behind him. And then to cap all this off, Flint knocks the warhead off, like clean off the rocket by firing a missile at him. Like, what? For that to have gotten right, like the, the, the leaps of logic you have to make. I mean, he's one confident sucker. He was like, he was unsure as he was firing it. He was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. But he does it anyways. <laughs> he fires a missile on a Joe and a enormous, like, I don't know, warhead capable of you vaporizing a city. And then, of course, the, 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 the remains of the rocket then kind of spiral down into a river and everyone's 
like happy and smiling. They they didn't even have roadblock animated, like kind of emerging from the water. So they had to use no, I think they did. Anyways, um, <laughs> they, they just cut back to Lady J and Flint in the sky strike and like, oh, I can see a smiling face from here. He's fine. <laughs> Hilarious. It's it's definitely a wild ride. Uh, the entire four out of five episode. from me. Whoa, Stephen's yeah. absolutely Strong, loving man. the old the the old series. That's crazy. Well, I, I, I definitely countdown for Zartan is is I think a overall a good episode. I think it kind of holds together quite well all together. But this definitely feels like a proper like cartoon cartoon. Um, <laughs> like it, it just has wild shit going on, and you can't get this in the comic books. You would, I don't think you would ever see anything as crazy as what's going on in here. So I'm definitely upping my points for it. I'm giving it three and a half. Ooh. Oh yeah, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm going upwards. It's just, it's, this is what the cartoon does. I think this is a good mm. example of what the cartoon can do that the comic books wouldn't do. Oh, I was going to say that as well. Yeah. Oh, no, I stole your line. No, no it's cool. I'm just going to add to your line, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like, sorry, Rob, if, uh, is, is that your final word? That's, it? That's, it. That, that's my final word. I stole uh, yours. Yeah. So here's the thing. If this was a comic book, it would be as boring as all shit. <laughs> but it works really well as a cartoon episode um, with all of its absurdity in check. And I absolutely love it. We'll also give it, sorry, but I'm going to give it a four out of five um, yeah. because I thoroughly enjoy it as well. And I and I think the ridiculousness only helps to, to take it higher for me. And gotta love the the, the, the subtext of don't let people con you, you know, don't fall into these little, you know, these little Ponzi schemes and these little traps that these uh, corporate, you know, shitheads try to get people into. And I love that message. And we should have more cartoons like that. Damn it. You can't get this shit in Thundercats. Well, we've <laughs> so... got, we, under the microscope <laughs> today, we've got two cartoons, like 30 years apart, almost. And they both are A-teaming it. It's it's yeah. like an, a small group of underdog Joes helping out a community in the first. And in this one, it's Roadblock and Ricondo helping out their you know, family members against big corporate America that are manipulating scumbags to kind of... Yeah, it's the, the correlation between these two episodes and A-team is very strong. I, mm. I think we can all agree. But to cap us off, gentlemen, a palate cleanser from all that animated nonsense, <laughs> chicanery, shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Trojan Gambit. I'm going to make the executive Oof. decision and say we're going to do 298 and 297 next podcast because of Whoa. the... Yeah, we Look screwed up. Paul and I read wild. the wrong issue. Rob read the Not right bad. issue. Wow. Bad. Not Rob's yes. bad. Rob good. Let's talk about issue three of G.I. Joe. I, I, about issue two, I said it was a bottle episode. Mm. I think I used the wrong term because issue two oh. takes place over hundreds of miles of frozen wasteland. It even goes international because we start off in domestic U.S. A globe-trotting episode issue. Mm. Yes, but it has a small focus in terms of its, its team. You know, the action. Issue yeah. three truly is a bottle episode we are seeing right. the events of the issue pretty much exclusively except for the beginning play out 
inside the pit <laughs> and i freaking love it five out of five sorry did i Whoa. tip my hand already yes yeah, you went that fast i didn't even get to do my summary take it away boy <laughs> We explore the depths of both Cobra and G.I. Joe's technology as we dive in, in, in uh, as we dive into the dark crevices of the pit. It's uh, too flowery now. Yes. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on to your hat while tensions flare up as the G.I. Joe stop Cobra's dirty secret from rising to the surface and exposing G.I. Joe for all to see. Uh, issue three the trojan gambit love this episode this is so great i know in an earlier um episode i may uh, earlier episode of our podcast i may have said that the best stories of gi joe t for me typically tend to start after 10 and closer to 20 but that's because my my stupid continuity brain forgot that this was issue three <laughs> um, yeah it's because you just wow. like ninjas too much man and i like the first ninjas, 10 man. issues are not ninja heavy they're really but trying this, to do agents of shield here this yeah, could I mean, be oh sorry sorry rob no yeah, i was gonna say man. the ninja action in, in this issue takes place off panel Off oh, yeah. snake eyes doesn't <laughs> get to actually you don't actually get to see how badass he is but you hear about it and it's Blind. so also yeah like cold open i, I love you start I love how... in the, the <laughs> aftermath of the battle. Yeah. I just love that little line in the bubble at the bottom right where it talks about um, what uh, Snake Eyes did without yeah. going into detail about what Snake Eyes did. And that the thing in his boot, it's got to be against the Geneva Convention. The thing in his boot, <laughs> it's got to be against the Geneva Convention. And it gets you thinking, what the hell did he use? I mean, you know, like... And I love that. That is cool because that, that's food for, for thought. You know, that's that gets the, the brain turning a bit. And I also, uh, and, and Steve and Rob, you guys will know this because when, when we've spoken about G.I. Joburg episodes and things like that, we have discussed a scenario like this, maybe not in the pit, but definitely discussed a, uh, an idea or a concept of the G.I. Joes being stuck in a facility and needing to escape some kind of machine monster chasing them and that is because i love aliens so much and i really love to inject a lot of that tension and a lot of that type of storytelling from from ridley scott's uh, masterpiece that is alien and this just this comic book is just pitch perfect for me in that regard and this panel that steven is showing right now on on the screen where it shows you the the u.s mail band section of the pit oh and it's just it's such eye candy you've got a vamp there you've got the mobat You've got who are the, all these uh, guys? There are little green men illustrated <laughs> all over all the equipment. And if you are doing a tally at this point, as I was, like in terms of the original 13 Joes, before we even get to this cross section, everyone is accounted for. Roadblocks injured, Stalker and Snake Eyes are doing something else. Like, sorry, um, Scarlet and Hawk are going to the, the hospital with the injured. I think Snake Eyes and Stalker are taking the Cobra prisoners to the, the stockade. Uh, Zap is at the top of the pit elevator. Uh, Clutch and Steeler are driving the, um, the, the Cobra robot remains. Breakers in the back. So, like, if you do the tally, you, you quickly run out of personnel. Uh, mm -hmm. General Hawk, oh, sorry. Yeah, it is. Sorry, it's General Flag at this point. He uh, says that there's a backup team that is on their way. 
Like, I think at this point in Larry's mind, G.I. Joe was a much bigger organization. Mm. We saw that that readout in issue one that had the 14th member, Shooter. I think those kind of personnel um, uh, images ran a lot further, like beyond oh, the, agreed. The, the panel of the page. And I think, at least in Larry's mind at this point, G.I. Joe is like a battalion. Yeah. Like we're just seeing that just isn't enough. It, these well, are just we're just seeing the 13 characters. key personnel. Exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah. This is something that, that later got some refinement, but still by issue three, G.I. Joe was still a much bigger thing than the, the original mm. 13. He was ahead of the game. I mean, he was like, I know they're going to start naming. They're going to make more figures <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Mind races. So in- you could probably spin that out somehow, like make custom OG green team guys and just give them new code names many have done yeah just live in that 1982 world i think what's also so cool about the issue is that i mean especially that page is that it's not just explaining it's not just showing you how cool the pit looks but it's explaining as it goes down there's like a reason why it's such good layout for this for for these layouts you know like it's like so what if they struck us and they try to kill us and and it, it feeds into what happens later on with the robot, I mean, trying to reveal the location of the base. It's like it does serve a purpose, this entire full panel, it's full page spread, essentially. Yep. Like so also, gush about the layout there, like, Paul? like what could possibly happen? This is what oh, would yeah. happen. No, that's the I, and I love this layout, Rob. Like, you know, you mm. also you know, as you're going into it, I am in love with this layout. I also love the cleverness of the storytelling because the comic book i mean and it's great because steve's panning down on the screen uh and for those of you in the youtube version you're seeing that um but we go down and then as we get to the closer to the end of the issue we are going up and that Ooh. is so clever i love that wow. and and layout wise design. trimpy is is moving us moving the camera physically downwards but he's also mm. moving us through time by hmm. subdividing the layout with panel lines. Yeah. Because we're seeing the same US mail truck uh, in each panel, but it is descending with us. And the, the dialogue is contiguous, like keeps moving forward. Hey, it's clever stuff. I love it so much. I love it so much. If I had the space, <laughs> I think that this concept... Oh, we'd all want to build to... this. Exactly. And if you want to... really all your G.I. Joe vehicles in a... 118 scale pit that's uh it's every gi yeah, collector's man. desire but i think a handful of people have actually made a shelf similar i was to gonna it. say sure you could have. really extrapolate this idea and just kind of create this great 3d 2d-esque shelf with all of these details printed or something or oh, i mean he's adding to details that they introduced yeah. i mean the, the the plans for the pit was in issue one wasn't it yeah yes yeah, yeah. sort yeah. of mini poster style Mm-hmm. Yes, so he's definitely got an idea of what this place is, um, and he's he's designed it to be you know very specifically what it is. So yeah, you can. There's a uh, Tony Stark in the, in, in the <laughs> foreground. <laughs> no, Doctor oh, yes. Strange. My apologies. Clutch, Clutch has got a handsome beard, man. Makes you wish the uh, figure had a bit more, bit more five o'clock shadow kind of beard <laughs> yeah. instead of a full, full like thick beard. Anyways, I mean, the, the figures are nowhere near model when it comes to these beautiful illustrations. And the cool There's thing so about much the character. issue as well, you get to see the life um, 
in between missions and it but it also is still the focus of the the tension and the story itself not only do you get to see the kind of the motions of what they go through at the base in between missions but this is also the mission at the same time so you kind of oh. he, he you get to expand on like what do they do between missions and i think this is this is the type of issue that larry i think shines a lot at is when he gets to oh. um reveal to you the the Nuances. details, the, the mundanity, mm. as it were, and like, mm. uh, which I think he finds probably very easy to write. You know, it's kind of like, oh, what, what do they talk about in between? Word. Guys, um, how how yeah. awesome is the flair for the dialogue that is it on show here? I mean, yeah, it's possibly my favorite line in all of comics ever. But Clutch says, "Stealer, you want your cackle fruit runny or rubbery?" <laughs> he's he's frying up some eggs and he's asking how Steeler wants them done and it's just like that's great and the response uh -huh. isn't isn't simply saying oh, I want it rubbery he's like somewhere in between the bacon could stand to being a bit crisper <laughs> I mean, love that come that... on it's so natural I I love moments like this we all really so relatable moments like this because yeah. it it really gives meat to the bone of of our playthings so nice. And also, even the the next uh, panel where they're like, "Why is Snake Eyes, you know, servicing all of our weapons?" and it's and the the response to that is real simple, Stalker. He doesn't want your weapon to jam if you're covering him. I kind of feel like that those bubbles should have been switched around. Uh, I feel like Stalker should have been answering that. Um, yeah, you know that Stalker yeah, should know Snake Eyes better. But this they speaks to like, yeah, yeah. We we don't have foresight of where these two characters relationships has ha, has been um, exactly. i mean larry makes no s secret of the fact that his entire continuity is an ongoing retcon mm. <laughs> like he doesn't have the answers pre-planned so like the, the line was the given cement to is a bit wet yeah yeah everything I mean, everything's it, a bit shifting it wasn't established that, in the, in the history wasn't established at all here so it's yeah. the conversation anyway. Mm. brilliant i love the fact that like snake brilliant. eyes i mean he's 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 widely regarded as the most heroic joe he's the sort of the uber joe but here it's kind of a selfish reason he's not cleaning mm -hmm. his his friends weapons uh for their benefit he's cleaning them so that when you are covering him it doesn't jam <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of a, a cynical uh note from old um is that flash yeah flash is in the armory with him that and also, I mean, uh, Snake Eyes always has to be a well-tuned weapon for everybody else because I mean, he's the the Mag <laughs> he's the MacGuffin, you know. He's the. the I the... don't think we need a blow by blow. Basically, the no, robot reanimates itself, and then it's this monster of the week, desperate fight against this mechanical beast. But various tiers of it, like they defeat the main body of it very creatively because they can't get their heavy weapons. I found that an interesting point. Like they get up to the heavy equipment level, but all the ammunition is six levels down, which mm. I suppose is a security thing. I'm not a military mm. man. And so I suppose keeping your guns and your ammunition separate uh, is, 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 is clever, but at the same time, mm. very cumbersome. So you have to mm. march all the kind of tank rounds up six levels just to load up your mobat um yeah it seems like that's that's a hell of a log logistical nightmare and then unload um, unused rounds each time 
Um, I imagine anyways, a quarter like, master sorts that out first and then takes yeah, the round up. All those yeah. extra green shirts that GI Joe seems to have, uh, at least this issue um, seems to to hint at. <laughs> but yeah, the, the 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 main body of this mechanical beast is defeated. Then the head crawls off to try and get to the surface. Then that gets defeated. Then these mini little spider bugs, twelve of them, get sort of dispersed. And GI Joe is literally on a bug hunt through. Uh, air vents and corridors and walls and ceilings. I mean, the, the whole thrust of this is Cobra wants to learn the location of the pit to mount yeah. an attack. And in order to get that, this robot needs to get to like broadcast depth. It needs to get to the surface so it can send a signal. Um, it's great stuff, nail-biting stuff, a race to the finish line. And the finish line being Scarlet and Hawk, who are on the surface, <laughs> find the last bug. Uh, or Scarlet does. She sees it crawling through the grate and just nonchalantly steps on it. Crunch. Completely by accident. It's, it's it's great how they're constantly trying to. Um, I mean, they don't know what's going on, so <laughs> they, they only have the impression of you know. Oh, there's noises. This is the smell of you know. There's these uh, these weird smells and acoustical phenomena uh, occurring, um, and they're trying to explain it away so that people that you know kind of ignore you know like the the fact that the yeah. pit is down there. Because Scarlet yeah. and Hawk are attending some kind of event at the top mm. structure for the chapel assistants. <laughs> and they're in their dress greens and they, they're oblivious, but they're like, I mean, the line at the end is the clincher. Like Hawk says, you know, Scarlet, I may have been pushing the Joes a bit too hard lately. <laughs> I think I'll recommend them for a little extra leave time. <laughs> to which Scarlet says, good idea, Hawk. Sounds like they're going buggy down there. <laughs> she could never have known but we as the reader do and yeah absolutely fun times and how fun cool times. is this i mean obviously at this point um they haven't seen a lot of designs yet for cobra vehicles and mm. uh and other stuff that the cobra would have so without knowing they kind of be very it's very like gi joe has very hard edge technology and they've contrasted the Cobra stuff to be very like organic looking. I'm um, very kind of like rounded. I mean, the robot is very like rounded. Um, it's not, not so blocky. And then they also introduced like an original design for a, a helicopter for the four Cobra as well. It's very like insectoid or like actually mm. literally it's a Cobra head. Now that <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing yeah. it again. With the, uh, um, the, the, the Cobra's hood kind of splayed out. Yeah, it's a very wide helicopter. So with, without that kind of like seeing what, what, what other stuff Cobra would have, they are kind of establishing at least their own visual uh, cues or, or um, signature for Cobra versus G.I. Joe's technology. And Stephen, if you are watching the YouTube video, it's featuring probably my favorite panel of the, of the entire issue, which is where the, the robot kind of like leaps out of the water as they're kind of like looking for, oh, where did it go? Yeah. It kind of just disappeared. Ah, oh, it went into the pool. Dag! It went into the pool and the, <laughs> to put the fire out. Dag! <laughs> if I may explain the, the sort of mechanical design a little bit, um, you know, Trimpy came up into comics around about the time when everyone was being told to draw like Kirby, like Jack mm, Kirby. Yeah. So <laughs> the influence is enormous. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in terms of these giant, heavy, very bombastic sci-fi designs that actually kind of hark back to the 1950s let's be honest yeah i mean like yeah. like if you if you know the eternals from marvel um which was created yeah. by jack kirby he created the celestials 
um, uh-huh. which is, which, I mean, we saw one or two of them in the Celest- in the Eternals movie, but this definitely, to me, has very like uh-huh. celestial yeah. vibes in the design. And also, like earlier, where when they were like um, analyzing the robot itself as well, like that entire scene felt very Kirby esque with this giant like scanner machine that that's kind of like hovering over the the robot itself. Down Don't they the call them Kirby Crackles? <laughs> sort yep, of electrical Kirby Crackle. Kirby crackle. There you go. Very much like like there's no rhyme or reason for any of the buttons or anything the designs on this giant machine that he's using. But yes, this entire. The, the entire panel just feels very Kirby-esque, the, oh, the design man. of the te- technology that they're using. Guys, Overall, I'm here fantastic for it. I think I think this sets the tone for G.I. Joe being not only a like a, a property of the 80s, but then even retro 480s. Like it is a throwback to the 1950s sci-fi. Mm-hmm. It's so it's just like enormous technical chunk for chunks sake these huge blocky <laughs> devices very much like a fantastic four book i say 1950s and it's i suppose it's more than 1960s in that that regard mm. but uh, 70s yeah, even definitely retro yeah. even for 1982 yeah. love it um i do five feel like five. did i say that already i did you I? said it already <laughs> I'm, I'm there with you as well i'm five out of five but Whoa. i also i don't think that this was um an intentional uh, thought line or uh, that was done when this book was written. I think it's very much a subconscious through line, which, you know, uh, hopefully if I highlight it now, you guys might find it very obvious. Maybe you've, you've come up to it in your own way, but I feel like uh, concepts of subterfuge and interference run throughout the whole book. Um, you know, there's the interference, the stop, the stopping of the radar signal of the, of the machine itself. And then there's the interference that Hawk and, I mean, yeah, Hawk and Scarlet have to run upstairs mm. to stop um, people from worrying about a threat from below. Um, even though they're actually not aware of the threat, they're just running interference because they have their own secrets. And so there's this whole concept of secrecy and the need for interference and clandestine, uh, uh, you know, sort of, movement yeah, and, and not I, and just I from like their that. side not just from their yeah. side but from cobra's side as well exactly it's like you you won you think you've won you've 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 um attacked the space you've you've taken it over um and now you're taking this this machine um back into your base to investigate it because you think mm. it's 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 switched off it's, it's harmless but little does gi joe know that actually cobra commander has planned for this there was a purpose behind the, the entire operation, and he's still shown to be an exceptionally capable enemy at this point. Um, Which you know, is great character building and world building as well. You know, mm. so yes, lots of deception, lots of layers. Yeah, I think, I think this is definitely. I mean, I, I don't want to say five out of five. I mean, it, it feels like a five out of five. I think I really enjoyed this issue immensely. Um, and there's this cool, funny little moments of also how it, they differentiate how they get out of the rooms. Um, uh. I think it's Stephen showing and now Steelers just like, ah, you've never lifted a, a gearbox from a back end of a truck, have you, or something. <laughs> Bogey wheel from a tank. <laughs> yeah, look, the two Joe teams of three are separated from each other. And the team that kind of breaks out of the room that they're locked in first is the one that brute forces it. 
Steel is able yeah. to open the blast doors that the robot has shut very cleverly. It's you know, part of its, its planning, uh, part of its programming to, to deny access to any personnel while it gets its job done. Um, Steel is able to break them out earlier than, than Flash is because Flash's tactic is to burn through the door with the laser, but on a low intensity beam so it doesn't eat up the oxygen. I love the problem solving. It's so clever yeah. that we are being educated on how practically people would find their way out of these traps. Uh -huh. But I do have a f perhaps a factual uh, quibble with Steeler's approach. Now, <laughs> it makes him out to be, at least in terms of the OG-13, the strong man of the group. He's the tanker. He's got rippling biceps and, and pecs and a massive oh. V-cut back like Arnold Schwarzenegger would be proud. Uh, and he says that the, 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 the counterweight that keeps the blast door closed is 200 pounds. Does anyone know what that is in kilograms? Uh, I do. It's 90. 90 oh, okay. kgs. So he's been required to, to like squat thrust 90. I put it to you, gentlemen, that I'd be very surprised if any member of the G.I. Joe team could not squat press 90 kilograms <laughs> i put yeah. it to you gentlemen that i'd be very surprised if a member of the gi joe book podcast couldn't squat thrust 90 kilograms no <laughs> yeah, well i can i can vouch for that i can <laughs> so. i mean maybe it's I, the angle that's awkward what, rob it's, it's, uh, how, how much do you weigh pal Oh, actually, let me not ask that question but you weigh more than 90 <laughs> like your the legs in your your the legs, the muscles the legs in your legs in your are muscles. enormously strong. They're perhaps stronger yep. than you, you than actually realize. Mm. But maybe On it's average. got more to do with grip strength because it is an awkward well, grip lift. Strength, it, it could also be that it wasn't, it sounded like a good number to, to Larry. Could that also be a thing? I also appreciate that Larry being a, a Renaissance man, um, perhaps never spent hours mindlessly at the gym throwing pieces of steel around. Well, maybe he did. Men were like, just men back then, you know. Yeah, you didn't they know didn't sweat the numbers. Or it could just be, once again, he's he was waiting for someone to nitpick that number. It's probably <laughs> oh, a letter of the issue. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> it delights me that dad bot over here is still a gym bunny, in, at least in his mind. <laughs> well, you can shrug Guys, that. You can definitely shrug that. I need to, I'm afraid, move the agenda on simply because I'm taking Elliot to his first casting today. Oh, my Ooh. goodness. Hey. Okay. Stephen, this child is Child star in the making. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Well, I'm going to say I'm Put glad them to work young is all I'm going to say. Guys. Absolutely. Got to start earning their keep, you know, and paying for their own college. Uh, oh, exactly. yeah. it's, it's all going to go into a fund, of course. I'm using Obviously. Xbox. Absolutely. We'll go the back toy, to the child eventually. The, the Facebook Marketplace fund. Yeah. Hey, I, <laughs> I, know, I always you steal toys from other kids for your kid. Yeah, makes I've always, sense. I'm, I'm a strong believer in when you, when your kids get to that age where they have to pay rent, that you put all of that rent money into a, into an investment account or whatever. And when they do move out, you know you tell them about that them. um yeah you're like whoa and it's quite cool because i know one person who's actually done that and it was so great to hear that somebody had actually done that <laughs> um for their well, kids before and we it move allowed on, them to move I, to cape town so 
I think yeah. the clean sweep. I am gonna give it a five. I think it, it's it it's it's a five. Oh, it's a five. Like it, you cannot yeah. you cannot lose. So this is the issue to beat. I mean, we've read three issues so far. Um, well, three, four, five issues in total of the three hundred issues. Um, yeah, I think this is the issue to beat. It's it just it just feels. It's yeah. It's the it's that kind of story that we love where it's, it's like a type of special mission story where it's self-contained mm. um but it also does tell you a lot about the characters themselves and but on both sides and it's engaging and interesting and i think this is this is the type of story that larry is strong at uh and that i've always enjoyed from him is these self-contained issues where you just these are the characters you love and they're just doing something cool and awesome um yeah yeah hell yeah, yeah. Thank you to the Bergforce members in attendance, and thank mm. you to the Bergforce uh, supporters on Patreon. There they all are. Beautiful. Uh, if you'd like to join the G.I. Joburg Patreon, it is www.patreon.com slash G.I. Joburg. Too easy. Whoa. We also still sell shirts. Believe it. Believe it. We got merch Believe on the Teespring store. Just look for G.I. Joburg, and you can have these very unique, <gasps> one-of-a-kind Joburg shirts and hoodies and whatnot. Haven't pushed that on the, on the show in a long time. Absolutely, but they're not. cool, man. They're quality. Oh, if yeah. I do say so myself, and I do. Well. <laughs> um, and Je I'm out. Time to time to fight the traffic, the morning grind, and get into you town don't. and um, put my son to work. Ah, Paul's found yes. us an image of the. I think this is the Treasury Edition. What 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 artwork is this? This is the. Um, it's, it reprints it. Yeah, it uh -huh. reprints it with um, edits and new coloring. But they also, I just love the painting because uh, mm. it's, it's like such a great painting. And yeah, and, and I, I don't have uh, anything solid right now, but I'm sure they did like a one of those Choose Your Adventure books based on this mm. as well. Uh, um, not shows. based on, but... I, I don't know. They probably repurposed that artwork because it is gorgeous. It is basically it is the, the, the theme of the Milgram cover from issue three, but then kind of made into a painting. Shoes and I think the perspective has been adjusted to be perhaps less, like less dramatic, but uh, but a lot prettier. But dr know, dramatic for a paintedly approach, yeah. Less rough. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, guys, that has that's been. Tough. A thrilling Two episode, weeks. and Absolutely. it was. We we. I, I'm so glad we could uh, pull apart the covers of some. Well, mm. pull apart the cover of one of the best GI Joe books, and also <laughs> just really get into uh, some awesome uh, parts of the uh, some of the awesome animation stuff, which you guys know is one of my favorite aspects of this um, hobby. Absolutely. So yeah. hobby. We'll catch lifestyle. you in two weeks, Yo Jokes. Yeah. Absolutely, this is crazy, guys. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm glad we're ending now too. Um, not that I like ending, but yeah, my power's going out in five minutes. So oh, oh yeah, that's right. Mine, mine's coming back on in five minutes. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> insane, Stephen. All the best to Elliot. I hope he cracks this. Um, remember, tell him he doesn't have to be nervous. He just just you know be himself. He doesn't even know what nervous is. Hasn't <laughs> been invented <laughs> exactly. for him. Exactly. <laughs> so you tell him not to be nervous. Well, I'll be sure <laughs> to tell you all about it on the next episode. I'm so excited. Cheers, bird. <laughs>